It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for being here. Um, it's always a pretty amazing feeling getting up here at Real and seeing all of you um, that are here because I think I understand um, how much goes into you being here. It's a Friday night. A lot of you are very busy lives. You've worked all week, and you're here, and that just really amazes me, and I'm so grateful that you're here and that you think that it's important to be here and that you're setting aside this time for yourself to be here. I'm super sorry about the bathroom situation. Um, so if you're, if you go to Good News and if you're young, go downstairs to the bathroom, okay, to the Brady Bunch. I'm totally serious. Um, go downstairs to the bathrooms to free up the bathroom up here for those that are our guests and that those that have a harder time going up and down the steps. Okay, so so our guests and the um, our senior adult women that we really respect, you're going to get to go to the men's bathroom to go to the bathroom. So you're welcome for that. And... Um, We'll, we'll block it off. To, there's virtually no men in the building over this weekend anyway, but we'll make sure it's um, blocked off in the signage. I've been here for 20 years, and I think there's only been one other time that we have had a problem with the women's bathroom. Now, do you guys think that's coincidental? I don't think so, but you can decide for yourself. But in any case, that's, um, if you guys can, whoever can go up and down the steps easily, please free up this bathroom. And so the guy's bathroom is actually just around the corner right here. And it's a men's um, only bathroom, but it's a larger bathroom like the women's bathroom normally is. And if you, um, if you are not from here, I promise you that the next time you come to Good News Church, you will not have to walk past urinals when you go to the bathroom, okay? <laughs> anyway... Um, uh, seriously, my goal for, for all of us this weekend is for you to go home uh, refreshed, encouraged, changed, um, and ready to face your everyday, ordinary life like we've talked about. And those aren't just words to me. Those are really how I feel at a very deep level. I don't know sometimes if I can communicate it strong enough how I feel about that. And I, that's what I want for you. And because of that, it's like I never get used to the weight. You know, I never get used to the way of coming and talking to you because I feel like it's so important. And I hope that if you're not from Good News, that, and if you've never been to a real event, that this is the most unique women's event that you ever attend. That's what I hope. I hope it is the most unique uh, women's event because of w- how you walk away, what you walk away with, and how you walk away potentially change. So, but I believe that Jesus is the answer and the Bible is the answer. And I think a lot of people believe that, but oftentimes it just somehow is not translated into our everyday ordinary life. And it can be difficult. It can be confusing. It can seem very archaic and that sort of thing. And it's not because it's not true. It's just because we're imperfect at understanding that we're imperfect at communicating it and that sort of a thing. And so this weekend, as always, but in particular, um, as we talk about it, I want us to take a very honest, very direct, very practical um, approach and direction to this idea of real life, because I believe that's how it was designed to be by God, and I believe that that's God's desire for every single person that's here tonight and that is able to come this whole weekend. And it doesn't matter your situation, you know. It doesn't matter if you are like at the end of your rope, you know, you're on the verge of being homeless, and you're you know on the verge of bankruptcy, and the, you know, verge of suicide 
tithe or whatever, or if you're, you know, you kind of have it all together and you're in a good place in your life or something like that. It doesn't really matter because all of us together, we are living real life. So we all have that in common. Every single one of us had a day today. Every one of us is going to have a day tomorrow. Every one of us is processing things all the time in your mind, facing situations, encountering things that are disappointing or um, frustrating or joyful or something like that. Every single one of us in this room is experiencing real life every single day. And my question is how often or how much have we heard what does the bible say or what does god say or what is absolute truth about how our real life should be not in the sunday school answer not in a you know in some kind of manual you fill in the blank in a workbook not that there's anything wrong with that but but i mean in a real practical everyday life and is the bible um, able to translate into that practical of life for us i think that it is now we're going to the the whole weekend is going to be as as normally is it's going to be all kind of woven together and it's all going to flow together so tonight i'm going to be setting some groundwork in terms of our key verse that we're going to be looking at and setting, um, as you can see, setting down some um, ideas of illustrations we're going to use throughout the weekends. The workshops are going to try to flesh out some of those things as well. And going all the way into Sunday, um, where at the, um, on, on Sunday's, at Sunday's message, if you want to bring your your spouse or a boyfriend or, you know, parent or something like that, um, maybe they can catch the idea of this real life, even though it's the concluding message of, of this series. And if you're going to miss a section because you have something going, you know, you have to, I don't know, catch a sale at, you know, an early bird sale at Kohl's because you have a 30% coupon, well, you can go, you know, miss breakfast and then still come back. It's not like if you exit the building, you aren't allowed back in, okay? So you can come if you, if you need to leave, just feel free to come on back. Now, um, how many of you got your journals? We're going to use this all weekend. Who did not get a journal because they didn't pre-register? Here you go. You can have mine. Now, there should be leftovers, you guys. Um, there should be leftovers tomorrow after all the other people that pre-registered that come just on Saturday. Then we'll, we'll hand them out to you guys. So you'll be able to get them tomorrow if you, you should be able to. We, uh, we almost always have, I mean, I think we've always had enough every single year, but we just want to uh, make sure the people that have pre-registered get those. But I'm going to be asking you questions throughout the night that I'm really excited about. And so I want you to use your journal tonight. I'm going to be having you access that thing. So get it out and get ready because I'm going to um, ask you some questions that have to do with the personal inventory of your own life. Now, rules for real are that. Here's some rules. This is just off the top of my head. But one of them is that you cannot peek on your neighbor's paper. Okay? <laughs> Just, this is like, this is like school algebra. If we're going to be real and honest with ourselves, we have to trust that our neighbor is not looking at our paper. So don't do that, okay? Because that, that's going to inhibit people's ability to be authentic with themselves. And, you know, we already lied to everybody else enough about what we really think. We don't need to be lying to ourselves at a real conference in church, okay? So don't do that and don't look at your neighbors because Jesus is going to get you if you do that. <laughs> so, and the other thing, another rule is that this weekend is about you. So I don't want you to feel guilty about thinking about yourself. 
Okay, we have all of our lives to think about our kids, think about our husbands, think about our bosses, etc. How often do we have time to just think about ourselves, reevaluate our life, look inside, say, where am I at? That is the point of this weekend. So I want to give you permission to think about yourself this weekend. Think about where you're at. We're not going to try to fix or solve any problems for any other people. We're going to try to fix and solve problems for ourselves. Okay, so you think. Think about yourself and when, when I'm speaking and stuff like that, think about it in terms of your own life, where I'm at, okay? That's, that's my second rule. The third rule is that the young kids have to go downstairs to the Brady Bunch bathroom so that the old people can use the men's restroom for <laughs> the visitors. Okay. All right. So the whole weekend, we're going to talk about life. And I'm so excited about it. In fact, when I was prepping for these messages, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if this is true. I don't want to like lie to you or anything, but I was thinking these might be some of my favorite series of messages I've ever put together. And I don't know why, but I just thought that's the way I felt because I'm so excited about what I think that God has given to me to share with you. And I just pray that it, uh, it changes your life. Now, when I was, um, when I was in my early 20s, when I was a newlywed, I've told you guys this about my friend I have, my friend Catherine, that I met when I had just been married a couple of weeks. We met because we were living in the same one-bedroom apartment complex, and uh, we met because from by living in there, and that was 25 years ago, and we're still best friends today. We basically have nothing in common at all other than the fact that we lived in a one-bedroom apartment complex together. And somehow, we've ended up friends this whole life. Well, anyways, we've gotten ourselves in all sorts of predicaments over the years um, doing things together, and I'm not going to get into all of them. But one of them was that we decided we were going to do a half Ironman triathlon when we walked in the store to get running shoes. And so anyway, I did not know how to swim. And so that was just a minor obstacle, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so I decided I was going to go to this place um, there where they teach adults how to swim. And, the, and so and so, and I had swam every morning and I was learning how to swim. And I was, this swim place was like at a college, kind of like Creighton University. And the, your coaches were the swim team of the college. And my, our coach just happened to be this kid that was um, going to be trying out for the Olympics like two months later. So needless to say, he was not impressed with me. And so anyway, so we had to go to, you know, you have to go to races to practice. So I went to my very first swim meet of my life, right? And I am pumped up because I have like got goggles now. I've got a cap. I know how to go off the block. And I even know that it's called a block, you know, that I'm going off of. And I was so excited. And, and so anyway, so this is my first race. Um, and I get put in the category with like... Everybody that doesn't qualify for another category. So I'm swimming against like 70-year-olds. I'm 22, right? There's people that have, you know, are paralyzed on one side of their body. And this is... And I'm swimming against them. So I get off the block and I'm like super excited. The, the gun goes off or whatever. I jump into the... Or I don't jump. I, I glide into the water. And I'm just like... You know, I'm just like, I am on 
fire, you know. I'm going to win this race. I'm going to, like, pass. I'm passing all these 70-year-olds, you know. And I'm feeling really good about it. And then I'm like, certainly I'm getting to the other side. Certainly I'm to the other side. Certainly I'm on, I do the 100. That's, like, basically the shortest distance you can go in a swimming race. It's there and back, you know. And so I haven't. I'm going, going, going. And I haven't even hit the side yet. And so I'm going, going. I'm like, surely i got to be close to the side. I'm getting out of breath. I'm getting winded. I'm having trouble. And I end up having to stop, you know, to look where am I at? <laughs> where am I at? To the side. And my coach is like, go, go, go. And I'm just like, okay, you know. Anyway, so I just, you know, crawl into the finish line. All the 70-year-olds have passed me, you know. I am dead last. And I have other stories where I'm dead last. It's something I'm really akin to. I'm used to in my life. And so uh, anyway, I get to the end and my coach, this like, you know, buff Michael Phelps sort of person um, comes over and he's like, what the blankety blank are you doing? You know, blankety blank, I taught you blankety blank. And he's just swearing at me and, and um, telling me how bad I listened to his instructions. And I was like, I don't know, I was doing the best I could, you know. And um, and I feel like that kind of is the story of my life. Maybe it's the story of your life. You get off, you know, you're in elementary school. I got this, you know, got the smiley sticker, you know, got the A for my good behavior in class or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're going, going, going. And you start like running out of steam. Going slower, going slower. Other the people are passing you. Other people are passing you, right? And and you think, wow, this picture of life for me is that life got harder, much harder than I expected, much sooner than I expected. And uh, just like that swim race, and I've been surprised over the course, of, really, of my entire adult life, at how difficult life became at certain times and really kind of consistently all the way through. And I, the, my message tonight, I'm titling the unspoken truth about real life. And I think one of the unspoken truths is the fact of how hard life is. Even for those that might look on the outside, I think that there's a, a small margin of people that have a easy life, things coast rather smoothly, have a low amount of stress. But even inside, they might have other things going on, like anxiety or stuff like that. But for the vast majority of people, life, the unexpected truth of real life is how hard it is. And, you know, sometimes I think uh, you can see what you think, but life has, um, it hasn't been what's expected. And over that time, it changes us because of, based on our experience, uh, like when you were in elementary school, you might have been popular or something, and now you're kind of like a nobody. Or in high school, you might have been popular, and maybe you were in certain things, you know, like cheerleading or athletics or something that made you stand out, and now you're just a regular, normal person that blends into the crowd. Maybe when you were in... Um, when you were younger, you were like a, a bean pole, real thin. Now, maybe perhaps you're a little bit overweight. Maybe you're morbidly obese. Maybe nobody would even recognize you if you went 
back to your high school, your high school reunion. There could be like, I'm, like a difference in optimism versus pessimism. Maybe at one point in your life, you're very optimistic. You thought, I can do anything. I can conquer the world. And then different things happen. Maybe, you know, you can't, your immigration status or your job or your marriage or something like that um, kind of skews you over time. Maybe anger at something unfair that happened to you. Maybe something became dead inside of you because of disappointment or disillusionment. Maybe even with the church or with another person that called themselves a Christian or a parent that called themselves a Christian. Maybe you have a new life with Jesus that you didn't have before. And so a way that your life has changed has been exactly the opposite, where you've gone from hopelessness and despair to feeling like you have an eternal home or an eternal purpose. You know, when I was little, um, they would say, the school teachers would say to my parents, she's like sunshine coming into the room. You know, 30 years later, I was this close to committing suicide. 30 years of life. And that's what it changed me from the school teacher saying, she's like sunshine every minute, every time that she walks into the room versus 30 years of life and how it impacted me. Maybe you thought, oh, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to just have um, sex with my husband after I get married. And you find yourself having had multiple sexual partners, perhaps even an affair on your spouse. You would have never expected ever in a million years that you would do something like that. And that perhaps that's where you are. I know my sister, she, um, I, we grew up in a wonderful family and to get divorced was like a really big thing. Like you never want to get divorced. And my sister was divorced by the, her, the age of 22. She was divorced and she lost that whole dream of, I'm going to just marry one person and that's going to be my life and it's going to be perfect. And she's actually divorced a second time now. And so, and she was divorced her second time, I think like in her mid thirties approximately. And so a major change of the dream and vision for her life. She thought she'd be a pastor's wife and she thought that her life would be able to be within her control. So maybe you had to drop out of high school because of pregnancy or drugs or something like that or, or, or that sort of a thing. Maybe you expected for sure I would have a child by now, even if you're single or you're married. Maybe you thought for sure by the time I'm 35, you know, I'll, I'll have a child. Or maybe by the time I'm 40, I for sure will have a child. Or maybe it's marriage. Maybe maybe you thought for sure. When you were in high school, you thought for sure I will be married by the time I'm 30. Or by the time I'm 35. Or the time I'm 40. And you find yourself 40 years old, 45 years old, maybe 50 years old, still single. And you think, wow, that is not what I expected for my life. Are you tracking with me? Now, then there's like, I expected to be a super spiritual giant, like a super godly woman, like Janice Jackson or, you know, a Bib Schrader or something like that, and super godly and like know a bunch of Bible verses and, you know, be a really wonderful grandmother and that sort of a thing, you know, and maybe that's what you expected. And, or maybe you expected to be, do you guys ever do this when you like watch a movie or a TV show? You think, man, I could, I could be a doctor. You know, it's like, that doesn't look that hard. It's like, I'm going to go back to school and be a doctor. Does that happen to anyone else? Or, or like a, like a crime scene investigation. It's like, I understand criminals. I can be a forensic psychologist. I will help out the criminal justice system, right? Or, uh, you, you watch MasterChef and it's like, I can cook better. That's like, that looks easy to me. 
I can, I can butcher up that chicken, you know, not a problem. And, or like, um, this is something that gets me in, in TV shows or in movies when people like are working super hard and they like stay up through the night with like stacks of papers and books and so forth. And they're just like being really productive and learning and getting very smart overnight with large piles of paper. And I think I can study hard like that. I can learn whatever I want to learn. Right. And so, or there's like, um, people like, like you saw that in, um, hidden figures, you know, where people that are really good at math and and they like make a discovery and they look at a bunch of books and mysteriously they like save the space shuttle, you know, and it's, it's pretty remarkable. Or, or like you watch the West Wing and I'm like, I can write speeches. It's nothing to that. I got this politics thing down. I know how to make the president look good. Um, anyway, I can, I forget what the guy's name is, Sam Seaborn or something like that in the West Wing. But anyway, so, or if you watch the Olympics, it's like figure skating. It's like, that's not a problem for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea. So this, there's this, this discrepancy, basically, of what we think our life is going to be like and what our life actually is. And we go through our life every day. I mean, this is like, you're going through your life every day. You get up, you get up, it's your life, it's your life, it's your life, it's your life. And there's discrepancy. And over time, it can be like, this isn't what I planned for. This is what I had, didn't hope that my life would be. And then it's like, it doesn't matter as you get older like me. It's like, you just can see movies or TV shows that people that are older, like, change the world. And so that's what I would like to do as well, you know. So anyway, um, so we're going to do a little bit of work and we're not going to talk in abstract ways. So open your journal. And the first thing I want you to do is I want you to list a couple of things in your journal privately that are different in your life than you expected. A couple of things that right now are different in your life than you expected. Could be better, could be worse. Just right off the top of your head. Could be something I said or something else. Okay. You got that? All right. So now, and I'm going to, just for journal purposes, I'm going to ask you a couple questions on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay? Related to this. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you want to commit suicide, and 10 is your life is perfection like a movie, how would you rate your life right now? Okay, life now. One is on the verge of suicide. Ten is perfection like a movie. Five is somewhere in between. Okay. Then I want you, are you ready? Can I keep going? Then I want you to put on this same track of, of your life, commit suicide. And I don't, I'm not saying that lightly because, um, at all. I'm just trying to use it for, to show you the extremes we're talking about here in our life, right? Um, I want you to put what you would say your lowest point you've ever had in your life and the highest point you've ever had in your life. I told you I'm going to get in your business. All right? Your lowest and your highest. And this is not exact numbers. We're just trying to just get a look at our life here real quick with this. Okay. Then I want you to say, if you were to rate your spiritual life, 
Now, the previous life is just overall your life. If you're to look at your spiritual life on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you say you're at there now? Now, this would be like the farthest away from God. I don't think he exists. Uh, I think he's ruined my life or whatever. To I am essentially at one with him in the heavenly realms. Okay? So this is the scale, and I want you to put yourself where you think you're at right now. Okay? And then I want you to put where you've been at the lowest in your life and where you've been at the highest. Okay? So basically, our natural overall life and our spiritual life, we're saying, where are we at now? And then where are we at now? So for some of us, we might be at our lowest right now. Some of us, we might be at our highest right now. But it might be that we're in the middle somewhere. You tracking? Okay, you got that? All right, now we're going to read our verses that are going to be our key verses from, for, for the whole entire weekend, if you put them up on the screen. Now, the last verse is on your bookmark that's also in your packet. I told you we're going to be doing some ground laying work here tonight. Um, this is going to be our theme verse for the whole entire weekend. You can pull out that bookmark, but we're going to read a couple verses bef- that come in the Bible before this verse. There's extras of these out there, so if you want to pick one up on the way out, you can too. Okay, Jesus told this simple story. This is John chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 in the message. Most of the, of the translations in the Bible are very, very similar. They're very similar to this, trans, to this um, interpretation of the Bible right here. But I just picked it because of, because of the way it basically said real, which, so that's the only reason. But they're very similar. If you look up in any other translation, it'll be very similar. Okay, so Jesus told the simple story. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Any, this was Jesus speaking. Anyone who goes through me will be care for will be cared for will freely go in and out and find pasture a thief is only there to steal kill and destroy but i came so they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, if you'll indulge me, I want to read it one more time because we're going to focus on these verses so much. Jesus told the simple story. This is an illustration Jesus is saying about how things work in life. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All of those others are up to no good sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep don't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief, this comes up on your bookmark now, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life. Notice both of those things, real and eternal life. More and better life than they have ever dreamed of. Let me just pray real quick. God, we give tonight to you. We give this weekend to you. We ask you to be glorified. We pray that um, our eyes to ourselves and to you will be um, open and clear and that you would accomplish your purposes in and through us this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage is super cool because it's Jesus talking about real life, basically. And it's a very famous verse in the Bible. If you've been in church circles very much at all, this verse is probably familiar to you. The thief came to 
to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to have life and have it more abundantly. A lot of times this verse is interpreted basically one of two ways. One is from a spiritual warfare angle. Satan is there to kill, steal, and destroy us. Right. And so we have to um, we have to be aware of that and we have to, you know, uh, lean into that because the enemy is always there to steal and kill and destroy you, which is true. Then the other angle that a lot of people will um, interpret this verse is basically your life's going to be awesome. You know, I have come to give you a good life, you know, more and better life than you've ever dreamed of, that your life is going to be awesome. If we trust in Jesus, then everything is going to be good and awesome. I want to look at these, this passage through another lens and make you consider and ask you to consider or think about this verse from another angle. Now, I want us to have a new understanding, hopefully, of the thief of real and eternal life and realize that that is what is going on in our life and um and look at basically the stuff behind the scenes that we rarely rarely talk about in terms of what that passage is trying to depict now there's some key words in there if you could put that up again before you get there it says i am the gate for the sheep so jesus is comparing himself to the gate and i'll explain that in a second so the gate is kind of important and then it says anyone Do you see how it says, I am the gate? Anyone who goes through me will be cared for. Do you see that? Anyone who goes through me will be what? Cared for. Okay, now we move into the verse that you have on your bookmark. And so I want you to just look at those specific words and we're going to dig into them. A thief is only there to what? Steal, kill, destroy. And Jesus says, I came... So that you can have what? Real and eternal life. More and better life than you have ever dreamed of. Now, there's this major imagery here, Jesus going on with sheep and shepherds and stuff like that. Now, a disclaimer, uh, real quick on this. I grew up in Detroit, and the first time I saw any kind of farm animal was after I was dating Walt at his parents property you know and so uh, i never saw anything born so i am not presuming to tell you i'm like this expert farmer or anything like that but i have done some research and i think i can give you an idea of what jesus is talking about here obviously if it were jesus talking about life now it would be maybe he'd be comparing this to pinterest but he's not he's talking about sheep because that's what he had to work with you know So anyway, basically what's going on is uh, Jesus depicts himself as the shepherd. The sheep are, who are the sheep in the, in the story? We are, we're the sheep. Now, sheep are nice creatures, you know, they don't, they don't do a lot of mean stuff, you know, they're docile and, and they have, you know, they have decent memories and they like to be around other sheep, kind of like sheep, I mean, kind of like us, you know, most of the time. But sometimes we don't like to be around other sheep, which we all know about as well. But anyway, so Jesus is the shepherd and he's basically, he talks about these three things I wanted to depict for you. That he says, I, he's, I am the gate basically for the sheep pen. Now in the Bible, the, um, or not in the Bible, just in those days when there are shepherds, even today, shepherds, they basically put sheep in this pen and the shepherd literally sits in the opening and he's literally physically the gate. So after the sheep get in the pen, the shepherd goes here and blocks out. What is he blocking out? 
He's blocking out the predators, right? The predators that want to eat the sheep and kill the sheep and all that sort of a thing. Now, so the the shepherd will direct the people towards uh, the sheep, towards the sheep pen. And this is the sheep pen. And the, and the, even in here, the sheep will kind of, um, will kind of go around in the corner and sit together. And what do they do when they're in the pen? Does anybody know? They sleep. Okay. They don't do anything. They relax. Why do you think they relax? Because they don't have the wolves out there just trying to eat them up, right? So they don't have to be nervous and worried and stuff like that because they're in the pen and the shepherd is in here. And so the sheep go in here and they're directed. Now in this, in this um, parable, when we're talking about the sheep, I would equate this to eternal life. Okay, this is when the perfect spiritual in the zone life. This is where we want to be, right? We've gone through the gate. You can't like bypass the the gate, which is a whole nother illustration right there. You have to go through the shepherd to get into the pen. So you can't just jump over the edge to get into the pen. Doesn't work that way. And incidentally, sheep don't jump back out of the pen. Interestingly. You know, goats will, but not sheep. Once they're in there, they like, they respect that security and that safety. So anyway, so you have to go into this pen. So this is, can be equated as the eternal life that Jesus is talking about. The security and the safety. You go through Jesus, you have eternal salvation, you don't have to worry about things. But then Jesus said, he says, the sheep will be able to go freely in and out to find pasture. Because what can't you do in here? You can't eat. There's not pasture to eat in. And there's not exercise. But I don't really care about exercise. But if you do, you wouldn't have it in here. <laughs> so anyway, the, um, the, so the sheep have to get out to eat. I do care about eating, on the other hand. <laughs> so I would definitely want to come out. And so the, Jesus said, when I am the gate, he says, you can go freely in and out and find pasture because he is there. He is there guarding the pen and you can come out. But what does he say in the passage is out here? The thief that wants to what? Still kill and destroy. Now, if you've never been in the pen, if you've never been in the pen and gone through the shepherd, um, what do you have out here in real life? The thief wanting to kill, steal, and destroy you. But what about if you've gone through the gate, but you're coming out to pasture? What's out here? The thief. Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy remains the same. Whether you're saved or unsaved, whether you've come to Jesus or not come to Jesus in your life, the enemy is exactly the same doing the exact same thing stealing killing and destroying is there any blame cast on the sheep for the thief being there no does it say if you're a good sheep then the thief won't come after you if you're a bad sheep the thief is going to come there really bad and just tear you to pieces does it say that No, it doesn't. It says that the thief is here to kill, steal, and destroy every single person out here in our real life. 
that we have to face every day. Now, we can go in and say, you know, I am going to never leave the prayer room, and maybe some people are able to do that. I'm never going to leave the prayer room and ever face real life because I don't want to subject myself to that kind of pain and agony. All the mean people and, you know, all the people that want to steal my money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they can say that, but it won't work because we have to come out for pasture. And Jesus said that. He said, when you, I'm here at your gate, you can come and go freely and you will find pasture. But he tells you, there is a thief out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Now, the shepherd is a nice guy, right? The shepherd is a very strong, capable, capable guy. He's strong and nice. So who would be someone that's strong and nice? Uh, Spider-Man or Hugh Jackman or something like that. Strong and nice. And he's not going to be like, don't go over there. Don't go over there. Don't go over there, right? He is the steady protector of the flock, but he has this understanding that the sheep need to go out and about and they need to find pasture to eat. Uh, pretty much every night, I'm going to talk about our time in our life tomorrow morning, but um, every night, pretty much the sheep are going to come back. Why? Because in the dark, sheep don't like darkness. And when it gets dark out, it's virtually impossible to see your predators that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. So uh, there's a component, I'm going to talk more about it tomorrow where we're constantly having to evaluate how are we living our lives we're staying as close to the gate as while still living our real everyday ordinary life so we basically have this base i call it our secure base that we're moving in our life from you know it's a secure base we have this to go to we have this to cling on to and maybe we can go out this far and we feel comfortable and that's fine or maybe you can go out this far and you feel comfortable and that's fine but the point is we have that secure base we're operating from we have our spiritual life we have our natural life and we have the thief coming to seal kill and destroy you guys tracking with me all right. So anyway, the, um, if you have never been out here, in case none of you have ever been out here in the real world, basically there's no perfect life. Okay. If I were to say in here, even if you're 10, have you ever never had the thief try to kill, steal, or destroy something in your life? Would anybody be able to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Every single one of us, because those, those predators are reality when you're out in the field or whatever, and you're a sheep, right? So anyway, um, so there's no such thing. So how is Satan or the thief destroying our life? And I want to talk a little bit about some of those, uh, when he says here to steal, kill, and destroy, does that mean that the, the Satan is all pervasive around this entire area? What do you think? Yes or no? I don't think so. Because the thief can only be in one place at one time, and he's there to steal, he's there to kill, and he's there to destroy but he doesn't have reign over that pasture in your life. But we encounter in our lives certain things, the stealing, killing, and destroying in our lives. And it happens multiple times to many of us. Here's When I was uh, Christmas Eve a few years ago, I cut my fingertip off. And um, I cut my fingertip off and I couldn't get to stop bleeding. Well, come to find out, fingertips have trouble stopping bleeding. Who knew, right? But I couldn't... And, um, and Walt was the pastor of the church, and I, 
I thought, if I don't come to Christmas Eve service, people are going to think we're getting a divorce. I have got to stop this bleeding. You know what I'm saying? So I go to urgent care and I, um, and I go there and they're like, oh, this is one of the worst places in your body to try to stop the bleeding. You just cut the whole entire tip of your finger off. What were you doing? I said, I was cutting the potatoes and they said, they put this thing on it and they stopped the bleeding and, and all that kind of stuff. And I went to church and it was great. Well, anyway, so that was, you know, the thief came in to steal my fingertip. Okay. <laughs> And then I went back for a whole nother year. And then the next Christmas Eve, I'm walking out and guess what I did? Cut off my fingertip again. Same finger on Christmas Eve. I go to the same urgent care. The doctor is like, looks at the file and he's like, I think we saw you last year at the same time. And I was like, I think you did too. <laughs> So anyway, so he puts the thing on again. He goes, this time I'm going to give you the extra materials in case it happens to you next Christmas Eve. And then you won't have to pay for it. You're the urgent care. I said, I appreciate that. So anyway, so it was like I went to the same, the same thing. So sometimes in our life, right, you know... I know that I shouldn't be cutting my finger on Christmas Eve, cutting a potato with a dull knife right before Christmas Eve service. But I just went right back to the same thing. And that happens to many of us in terms of what the enemy steals, kills, and destroys in our life. We know that it's right there, but we just keep going back and the enemy is right there again to steal the same exact thing that can happen with, like, for example, sexual promiscuity. Or, you know, like you have sex with one person and, you know, that was a bad idea. And I'm never going to do that again, right? And then you walk to some, the same place again and the next thing happens and the next guy at work. And the same exact thing happens again. The enemy is right there again, stealing, killing, destroying the exact same thing in your life. Exact same thing. If you think in your life, what are the, like some of the previous questions I asked, think about how many of the things that are stealing things in your life are the same exact things. Even if they're not exactly, exactly like the title, but they're the same type of things. Like I'm offended at a person. I can't make any friends. Uh, nobody is nice to me. My credit card is maxed out again. I'm, I'm, I'm having filing for bankruptcy again, a second time, different patterns like that in our life. Now, I want to just uh, kind of look at those words that are in there and tell you what they mean. And when I do that, I want you to circle, circle some of these words on your bookmark with your real pen. The first one is steal. Okay, the thief is here to steal. To steal. And this means to take without permission. To take without permission. That's what, what it means when it says to steal, kill, or destroy. I had somebody steal our double baby stroller, you know, and at the time the stroller was valued more than our only car was on Blue Book. It was a big deal to me. I was like, this kid, this person that stole this must have better have twins and be homeless or I'm taking you down. You know, you have a lot of, you know, it was like, it's very offensive when somebody takes something that doesn't belong to them. 
You know, it's very offensive. If anybody's ever had their home burglarized, it's like, it's, there's something very violating about that. When somebody takes something of yours, even if it's not super valuable, you know, and, um, but even, but it doesn't matter. I remember my friend Catherine, um, they had their home, um, burglarized and a bunch of things. So on, this is just, can you stop the recording please? Cause this is kind of graphic, but they, they literally, sorry, just plug your ears if you're worried. Um, they literally pooped in all of their toilets and left it there. It's like trying to say, I couldn't care less about your property. I've been here. That's the enemy's attitudes towards the things he's stealing from your life. You think he cares? He couldn't care less. He couldn't care less what he's stolen from you. He's glad he stole it. Even if the person didn't need my double baby stroller and they just really threw it in the trash bin. You know, they didn't care. I cared. It was my double baby stroller, right? That's the way Satan is about what he is stealing from you, from your life, from your everyday ordinary life. He couldn't care less. That's why you'll have children that have drug addictions or something like that. They'll steal money from their parents, right? And you think, how could you steal money from your parents? You know, they're your parents. They raised you. But when, but they don't care, you know? They, they just, they don't care about taking your possession because they're caring about what they want. It's the same type of thing. And that's the way the enemies. That, just imagine if you, something taken from you, like if you're, say you were raped, you know, that's something that's taken from you. Do you think that they care and they say, oh, I'm so sorry that I hurt your feelings? They don't care. They're taking something from you. Somebody that your virginity is stolen or something like that. Things that have been stolen and taken from your life that are from, from, the, from Satan, from the thief, they are stolen from you and he couldn't care less. If you think about the sheep illustration, does that wolf care that he's eating the sheep and say, oh, I'm so sorry about that sheep. I just feel so bad that I'm eating that sheep up to pieces. You think that's what the wolf is thinking? Who cares about the sheep getting eaten to pieces? The shepherd cares about the, about the wolf or the sheep getting eaten to pieces. Isn't that powerful? Okay, circle, kill. Kill means to put an end to, to put an end to. To annihilate. This would be like the, a dream in your life. Okay? Like um, the dream of being married. I want to be married. That's a dream in my life. This Killing it would be like to annihilate that dream. You're never going to get married. You don't deserve to get married. You're not good enough to be married. You're not pretty enough to be married. Right? That's killing. Uh, infertility, the death of that dream. I wanted to have a child. I don't have a child. There's that death of a dream in your life. That is to kill, to utterly annihilate, right? That is what the thief desires to do. It says, Jesus said, he told us straight up, to steal, to kill, to annihilate you. The thief wants to wear you down in your life to where you have no hope, no energy to do anything for God because you're just trying to make it from one day to the next, right? Just like me too. 
trying to make it from one day to the next to kill that life, to kill that out of us. Why? So that we never go back to the shepherd and accomplish whatever he wants in our life. Think about what, for different things you've lost in your life. Think about those different things that you've lost in your life. And as those dreams get potentially lost in your life, how you, I'm never going to go into ministry. You know, I'm not smart enough to get a college education. I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I'm never going to get those visas for my family. We're going to be separated indefinitely. And they're going to be trapped in some, you know, refugee camp in Ethiopia or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like this, this death of a dream or of any hope that you have of what the dreams you've had for your life. Sorry, this is so serious. And then destroy, circle that. Destroy means to ruin the condition of or to put out of existence. To ruin the structure or condition and put out of existence. Destroy. That's where something can be dead inside of you for maybe a failure or something like that. Um, and it could be if your life, if you feel a lot of good things in your life, it could even be being able to retire at 55 or something like that. I mean, everybody is in their own place and it doesn't matter because in all of our lives, the thief is designed to steal, kill and destroy. The point is that is all the same for us. What's different is what it looks like in our lives. But we all are on the same page in terms of that happening. So anyway, so, you know, I, have you ever had a, this is like this phenomenon I've had since I've started graduate school, this realization that when something bad happens, it's like somebody literally like pops a balloon and like all the wind comes out of my sail. And I'm just like, Whew. do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I never really identified that before in my life because I don't think I'd had like the, uh, well, I mean, I had in my adult life, but the point was I hadn't realized, wow, it's like almost a physical feeling. You know, somebody can say something to you, right? And it's like almost a physical feeling where you feel like, I just feel complete, just forget it. I can't do anything. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just one statement. It's the craziest thing. I had a professor that, um, that my first year of graduate school that called me into his office. I sent him this quick email. Called me into his office. And he said, how do you spell, what, what is this word? And I said, niche. And he said, how do you spell it? And I said, I don't know. Like I have it in the email, N-I-T-C-H. Guess what? That's not right. And he said, and he said, I showed your email to my fifth grade son, and he knew how to spell that word. And he said, I said, it was just a quick email, you know. And he said, he said, if you expect to survive in this program, I never want to see a misspelled word in an email from you ever again. I thought, I went back to my desk and I started working at my desk and I had like these huge drops of tears, just blah, 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 blah. I couldn't even help it. I wasn't like sobbing or anything, but it was like my body's response to being humiliated by a fifth grader because I didn't know how to spell a word. You know what I'm saying? And so there's, it was like, it was like this one event 
And, and by the way, I, I mean, I, I get along with the guy fine, and I realize he's just an abrasive person, but he's really nice on the inside. Uh, deep, deep down on the inside. I'm still digging to get to that spot. But anyway, um, so anyway, um, but the point was, is it was like, it was like, it was like my spirit got crushed over misspelling a word in an email. It was like something inside of me like got crushed. And sometimes those things can be really big things. And I know obviously a misspelled word is not a big thing, but it was a big thing to me. Because of the way he did it, and he just really hurt my feelings and humiliated me, you know? And, and the same thing can happen with you. It could be a big thing or it could be a very small thing. Somebody might just say something to you, and it just takes something out of you. And it's like it crushes your spirit. And you think, I'm never going to play an instrument again. I'm never going to, you know... Um, I'm never going to talk or, you know, go out there on a limb because people don't like what I say or, or whatever. It could be like, um, you know, um, f- for example, like knocking the wind out of shares, maybe being, being morbidly obese can be like this thing that crushes your spirit. And other people cannot understand what that's like. If they haven't been morbidly obese or, or a pregnancy, um, like, uh, this, the, um, or your parents getting divorced or, uh, the uncovering of a infidelity of your spouse by accidentally stumbling on their cell phone or something where you just like open that text and it's like, things are changed forever. There's something inside of you, that spirit in you is just crushed. You didn't get the job or you were fired from a job unjustly. You get the idea. So eternal life, it says, well, I'm going to just skip to eternal life on the bookmarks. Eternal life is spiritual life. Eternal life, the only eternal life is spiritual life. It's what, what is happening on another plane other than our natural life. And Jesus said that if you go through the gate, you can get that eternal spiritual life. And that's what eternal life is. It's what you think of as a spiritual life. It's your purpose and long-term meaning. It's our spiritual secure base, right? But here's what I don't think we talk about that much. And that is the other part, the real life, which is the sequence of physical, emotional, spiritual experiences that make up the existence of us as individuals. This natural life, this process of going back and forth between the shepherd, encountering these things, this guy that will not stop pursuing you at the office, even though he's married. The, you know, the uh, financial, the financial tension, you just keep, oh, I cannot seem to get over that hump. I cannot stop cutting my index finger on Christmas Eve, you know, and going to the urgent care, these repeated things in our life. So there's this eternal life, and then there's this real life, this way of living, this sequential component of our everyday ordinary life. Are you tracking with me? Am I making sense? Thank you. Okay. So, so anyway, the Bible talks about these different kinds of life. And, and so it means all of those things, a spiritual life, a natural life, a, a, a psychological life, a biological life, all these different things. Then let's keep going. And it says more 
and better, right? More and better life. Let's see what more and better is. More means something greater or additional that's expected, than expected. More. So if you expect, I am going to be able to make a difference in the world. Jesus says, the life that I've promised you, spiritually and naturally, will be more and better. And I am not saying it's going to be perfect. And why is it not going to be perfect? Because we still have the thief that's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. So we could be accomplishing our God-given purpose on the earth. I am like in the zone, man. I am like doing God's kingdom work. Like, Walt talks about on Sunday, and then you encounter something, the thief killing and destroying, right? In your life, the more, even within the more and better life. So the more and better life doesn't mean the absence of the thief killing, stealing, and destroying. It does not mean the absence of that. It means more and better life within the life that Jesus was talking about, the natural and the spiritual life. What happens a lot of times with us, even as Christians, and get disillusioned, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in the Lord, something happens, and you get here, and you can get a disillusion. You can say, why did God let that happen? Why did God let that happen to me? Why did that man come on to me at work? Why did those people steal my money? Why did that double stroller get stolen? Why can't I be richer? Why can't I, whatever. It doesn't matter. But what we, we uh, for some reason, connect our more and better natural life coming in and out to pasture, Jesus said. You can come in and out to pasture. We encounter these thief killing, destroying, and we equate that with, wow, the shepherd's really bad. The shepherd's really bad. And he said, no, you can come in and out through the gate. You can come in and out, but the thief is always going to be there, killing, stealing, and destroying. If something has been stolen, killed, or destroyed in your life, it's from the thief. Now, before and after, before and after salvation, people are out here. Natural life. Doesn't matter whether you've gone through the gate or not. Natural life. You might be here, natural life, never been through the gate, have been through the gate, whatever. Natural life is out here for everybody. Spiritual life is when we go through the gate, who is Jesus Christ. So everybody's living a natural life, right? But we have this secure base we're coming and going from, but we're all encountering. So if you want to know why do bad things happen to good people or why it's like that really bad, horrible person, you know, had, had like they got a promotion at work and this super nice, awesome person, you know, got fired or something. Why does that happen? The thief is killing, coming to kill, steal, and destroy for, for everybody, And it's everybody at some point is running into one of these things. Why? Because it's just the way it is, ladies. It's just the way it is. And we fool ourselves and we actually put our minds into the, into the hands of the thief. If we say all those bad things that happen are because the the shepherd's not there. Or as soon as I go through this gate and I have Jesus, I'm never going to have the thief killing, stealing, and destroying, right? And that's how we come, become disillusioned with God. That's how we become bitter and angry at God, ourselves, everyone around us, become like ugly people on the inside. 
because of those things wearing on us over the course of our life, all these things coming over the course of our life, instead of being able to separate them for what they are. It's the thief killing, stealing, and destroying your life. And he's going to poop in your toilets, and he's going to steal your double stroller. You know what I'm saying? And he is not going to care less. But Jesus said that he has promised to give us a good life where we can come in and out and go freely into pasture. And I will give you a good, what does it say? A more and better life than you have ever dreamed of. Now, if that doesn't mean you're going to become the wealthiest millionaire, if that's not what more and better life means, what does that mean? What does that mean? Do I have to have all the answers? You know, can you guys come up with this one? This is not like easy material, let me tell you. Okay, anyway, um, but, but this is what the word better means. It means feeling better, better circumstances, more attractive or favorable. That doesn't mean like, you know, we're more beautiful, although you guys are super beautiful, but it's talking about just like our lives, being better, more attractive. Like, wow, I really like what's going on in your life. I wish I had that going on in my life. You know what I'm saying? Or more advantage, a better solution. This is, you have a better idea. Your life is better than it would have been. Your life is more um, further along, or you have better ideas, or there's, there's um, more distance. Like, for example, maybe when you first got saved, you could go this far, you know, in terms of your purpose and what you, what you did. But over time, you're going to have a more better life you're going to be able to navigate around this bad boy over here you know what i'm saying it's like i don't need that bad boy in my life you know i can just tell him where to go you know so i don't need that so more and better life you know more and better life is like you're able to go a little farther a little farther in your life a little farther from the gate, always coming back, not with the goal of separation from the gate, but with this ability to go here and maybe circumvent that this time, you know, and then maybe the next time you might go out and you might kind of bump along here. It's like, whoa, that was a wolf. I think I'll head on back. I think I'll head on back to the gate. Thank you very much. This is why I like this passage so much. It's so realistic to our lives if we look at it as a whole. Because we can't live in the pen. Jesus never commanded us to live in the pen. He said, I'm the gate and you'll be able to go in and out. That's realistic, real life right there. So we're not this weekend going to say, this is what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to do all these things that are going to preserve and protect you for the rest of your life from ever having this happen. That would be a lie. And that's what results in, or maybe people don't intentionally lie. They might think that, but it's not the truth. And I'm never going to say that to you because you're going to go out in your life and you're going to encounter this and you might get a little nip from the wolf. Or maybe you'll bypass it and you'll head back. Maybe the next time they might get you a little bit more because you went back in the same path and you should have known, you know, that that wolf was lurking behind that tree, you know, but you didn't learn your lesson. So, so you went back that way, that sort of thing. You picking up what I'm laying down? 
So um, if we didn't have a good and kind shepherd, a strong and protective shepherd, we would be in a completely different situation. And the pen would actually what? It would actually be more dangerous, right? Because if we're pinned in this pen, a, a predator could come in, right? But, but that, that's not the scenario that we're in. Because we have this gate that is guarding the only entrance. And it puts us in a much, much safer place. So what does it look like for a modern day woman? Um, Our lives are not perfect. There are problems even if we are Christians. And there's a spiritual tension we all face between our spiritual and our natural lives. And I'm, like I said, I'm going to talk about this more tomorrow, but there's this tension. And what does that practically look like in our lives to have this spiritual and natural tension where we have to go out and we have to uh, live our life and that sort of thing? So how much of, of our disillusionment is from thinking of the pen and the shepherd um, that there will no longer be predators because I have this, I'll no longer be predators. Is that where our disillusionment, is that where our disillusionment comes? I think so. So the big idea to me is that there's these three things happening in your life all the time. There's this life, there's this life, and then there's this part of life. And those three things are happening all the time in your life. So what are we going to do about it? Going back to all those things I mentioned at the beginning, at the beginning of the message, all those things that have occurred over our lives that changes. I used to be an optimist. Now I'm a pessimist. I used to think this good thing would happen. I used to think I'd get graduate from college. And now I just hope I can get my GED. And I don't even think I can. Over the course of life, these things happen. And, and if we don't realize, because we're not seeing or sensing that these predators are here and why don't we know that these predators are here because we can't see them sense them or feel them most of the time we have no way of knowing that if a sheep is walking out and there's a predator in the bush a sheep's vision is very limited they don't have good peripheral vision did you know that so they can't see super well at all their vision is limited and they can't see in the dark and so when we're walking through and we have no you have no peripheral vision and you can't see in the dark yeah yeah so so that is why these things come to our surprise and sometimes why we as women and Carissa you can come up as why we as women even After this has happened, we don't identify it as the thief killing, stealing, or destroying our life. Because it happens in the darkness. It looks like something else. Oh, I didn't realize that was a wolf. I thought that was, you know, a handsome man. Or I thought that that was, you know what I'm saying? It's like we don't identify. A lot of times it's in the dark. We never identify what is even out there killing, stealing, and destroying us. So I want you to think back. What was the, one of the questions I asked you at the very beginning of the message as the worship team comes? One of the questions. I said, I said something to the effect of, uh, what are some things in your life that are different than expected? Right? Did you write a couple things down? 
I want you to look at those things right now as the worship team begins to play, and I want you to think, is it possible that any of those things that are different in your life than you originally expected, is it possible that any of them are a result of the thief killing, stealing, or destroying you? Rather than thinking about it as like a personal weakness, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not thin enough, or whatever. You know, instead of thinking of that, thinking of those things that are are disappointments or differences in your life than you expected. What about if those things, is it possible that any of those things are the thief killing, stealing, and destroying a portion of your life or the dream that's over your life? What about just right now, if you can think of any other things as I was talking about, things that steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to write those down in your notebook really quick. If you can think about things that were stolen from you, killed, or destroyed. Remembering that the definitions of those words, that steal is to take without permission, without intending to return it. Killing is to put an end to or to annihilate. For example, the death of a child, infertility, the dream of marriage, destroy. To ruin the structure or condition. What is something in your life that happened that fundamentally changed the structure or condition of your life? Something that happened. Your parents got a divorce. You were not able to get your family uh visas into the U.S. or or something like that. What is something that has fundamentally changed the structure of your life? Uh, You had a uh, an abusive spouse. You had a um, uh, or you got divorced or you had a, a child that just sucked the life out of you or something like that that changed the structure of your life. Have you got a couple things down? Now, I want you to think about those things and think, is it possible that the thief was stealing, killing, or destroying those things? I'm not saying you're going to get those things back. This is a moment of self-awareness, of realizing where am I at in my life, and what are the things that may have caused me or are a result of getting me to this point? Maybe the pain in your life, maybe you're pessimistic, maybe you're broke, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're, you know, Whatever. I encourage you to actually write these things down because we're going to come back to them. And as we progress through the weekend, it will be important for you to just be able to look inside and and think about what's been going on in your life. You have that down? Okay. I want to read these verses again, and then we're going to respond. Others are up to no good, sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for. They will go in and out and find pasture. A thief is here to only kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they might have real and eternal life better life than they ever dreamed. So let's just stand up if you wouldn't mind. Keep your journal handy in case something comes to you that might be God speaking to you just as we begin.
worship and as we begin to respond to this message so that you can write down because remember the, the important part of this weekend is that we're wanting to take an honest inventory and assessment of our real everyday ordinary life how we got here and then how we live as a result of that god just just close your eyes if if you're comfortable and if you're comfortable just raise your hands a little bit maybe even just up like this and we're going to just give our lives to him right now again every single person in here unless you don't feel like that being being honest with yourself with what you believe if you feel comfortable let's do this we're going to give our everyday ordinary life to him tonight just lift up your hands and just just honestly before the lord right now as we as we respond i just want you to begin to think about your life just begin to think about your life up to this point what's happened in your life what good things what bad things what has been taken from you That is not from you, 
God, I thank you that you've preserved me through that. God, I thank you that I can come back to the gate, you from that. God, I thank you for the protection of her. God, I just ask that you would release us of the guilt and bondage for those things that have happened in our lives that have marred us, that might have been the other people's fault, but we look at them as the, the thieves stealing and stealing and controlling our lives. God, I thank you that those have not killed us, that we're still alive. Thank you, oh God, for that. I want you to begin to thank you, him for all the good things in your life, all those open fields and pastures, the good things that have happened. Try to think of all the good things. God, thank you that I'm still alive. God, thank you that I graduated from high school. God, thank you that I have a job. God, thank you that I'm still married. Thank you that my kids are still alive, oh God. Thank you that my car is running, oh God. Thank you that I have clothes to wear. Thank you that I have access to a laundromat. Thank you, oh God, that I'm not homeless tonight. Thank you, oh God, for that. I thank you, oh God, for that. God, I thank you for the good things that have happened in my life. I thank you that I'm in my right mind, oh God. I thank you that that, that we have a place that we can even come and drink coffee. God, I thank you for tonight, the ability to rest and set my heart on you and to think about my life. God, I thank you for the opportunity to think about my life, oh God. God, I ask you to open up my eyes, oh God. Open up our eyes to see our life as you see it in the name of Jesus. 